Well, I'm so glad you say that because yeah, there's this wonderful phenomenon after you do somatics or yeah. somatic practice that you feel lighter. And do you know what that is? Because I have an answer for you. <laughs> I don't want you tell me a little miss expert. <laughs> yes. So when your muscles are tense, mm-hmm. they're not just, it's not like they just got tense once and stay right, that right, way. Right. Your body is uh, burning energy and your brain is firing signals saying, keep that muscle as tense as it is. And that stiffness, that stiffness isn't there for free. So when you get rid of the stiffness, all of that energy starts coming back to you and it's Mm -hmm. less effort to walk down the street. It's less effort to stand up straight. It's less effort to even breathe. So I'm very, I I love when that happens for my clients. I just, every time (laughs) they all say the same things again and again. Bringing complex ideas down to earth, based on their value, not group identity. This is The Daily Archetype. make sure they think in groups of identity rather than groups of values. Let's promote understanding, not ignorance. This is The Daily Archetype. What's up, Archetypal friends? I'm your host, Isaac J. Miller, here on the podcast where we explore archetypal ideas to constantly rebuild our internal value structures. On this one, I was so pleased and honored to have Jade with me, who's a really cool friend and an expert in the area of somatics. And we will get into that in this podcast. We only had a limited amount of time, but it was a great introduction to jade and her area of expertise and it's actually very timely because as i will mention a bit in this podcast i am learning these things myself and not just the ones i mentioned but other somatic things and as that they will relate to depth psychology or the psychology of the whole person the whole mind because that's, I believe, one area where depth psychology needs to be bridged into our bodies and into our everyday lives. And so those are some things that I've been getting into lately, into not just knowing these sort of esoteric ideas, but figuring out how to physically put them into our bodies and embody ourselves, live the things that we learn here, the things that I've read about and studied and experienced. And these are the type of things that I talk about with Jade here. Please support The Daily Archetype on the social media. Join the thousands of members in The Daily Archetype Facebook group and all the other online communities that we're involved in, Instagram and Twitter. And any support on Patreon is massively appreciated. That's patreon.com slash daily archetype. And by the way, if you know anyone who might be interested in being interviewed on this show... You can send an inquiry to dailyarchetype at gmail.com. Now, please enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Daily Archetype, a value-sharing community. 
I am with Jade Sabansky. Did I say that right? Or Sabansky? Yeah, there you go. With a little bit of a New York accent in it. You gotta get Jade Sabansky. <laughs> there she is. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> you are a longtime Facebook group friend of mine. You have some interesting things, interesting interest, and interesting things that you do that sort of overlap with some things that I do. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But for those who don't know the greatness of Jade and all you do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the things that you're involved in? Sure thing. So I fell in love with neuroscience when I was nine years old. And that was kind of my entryway into everything Mm -hmm. that I do now. I fell into neuroscience at such such a young age, excuse Mm me, is because I was having all sorts of interesting dreams. And sometimes those dreams would even correlate with really weird things that were going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think the easiest example is like uh, a friend of mine was out of school missing for two months because she Mm -hmm. had mono, which we later found out. Mm-hmm. And then I had a dream that she was in class and then I went to school that day and, and she was there. So, mm. you know, not crazy things, not too far out of the norm, but enough right. to make me wonder what is, what is this? What are dreams? Where do mm-hmm. they come from? How can we predict them? How can we change them? And in all of my searching, I figured neuroscience was, or like that they must be in the brain. And since then mm-hmm. I have learned so much more about neuro than I I ever thought I could. I'm a certified brain health coach, which means that I help people. Yeah. So basically a a life coach, but the backing of neuroscience Mm. and some approaches that keep you thinking about your brain the whole time, rather than looking at it from an outsider's perspective of like Mm -hmm. external things of goals and stuff. Right, right, right. And I am also what's called a somatic educator. So I reteach people the brain to muscle communication in their bodies to help them get rid of things like stiff necks or shoulders, back pain, mm. leg pain, all that stuff. And it's amazing because from my perspective, I feel like those two things are the same. I don't see it. I don't really see too much of a distinction between the brain health side of my work and the somatic body work of my work and it's all connected i just i think yeah exactly and i think that everything that needs to be explained can be explained through the body and brain that journey started out when you're nine years old and you've just been kind of like a a brain nerd ever since pretty much because in searching for what dreams were not a lot Mm -hmm. came up back then but Mm. what did come up was this mapping of brain Mm. structures to personalities and just the idea that if if you got somebody under a scanner and could tell what kind of person they'd be or what kind of manager they'd become Mm. i just was like that that blew my mind back then (laughs) so we talked a little bit before we did this about some uh sort of common interests that we had just from speaking on facebook before so one is that stuff. We're both kind of brain nerds, especially in dreams. We talked a little bit mm. over, over the last year or so on uh, a dream interpretation group. And uh, another area is uh, Pomeranians. We both have Pomeranians. And we, yep. we might get into that a little bit. And it's it's interesting why my Pomeranian isn't with me today. And there's actually... Mm. sort of a dream reason why (laughs) but uh Mm. yeah and uh we so we might talk about that dream interpretation the somatic things uh as Mm -hmm. as well some that i kind of got involved in a little bit recently 
and possibly we'll even get into the intellectual dark web and why it's so dark or or is it <laughs> or perhaps maybe why it's so intellectual yeah <laughs> or there, there you go. Well, maybe we'll, we'll fo- focus on the intellectual side and less on the dark side or, mm. or both. Do you have your Pomeranian with you today, by the way? I don't. He is at my mother's house. Oh, okay. You, you have a better reason than I do. Sadly. Yeah, no, oh, that, that's okay. okay. No, okay. Let me see if I can briefly tell the story of why my Pomeranian isn't with me today. So uh, originally I got my Pomeranian, Barry, with my uh, now ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And that's been like two years mm-hmm. ago that we have been all broken up and moved on. And what's interesting is it was all like this whole big heartbreak, whatever. But I felt like all whatever <laughs> moved on. I got the dog. She's irres- not responsible enough for him anyway. So whatever life goes on. And then what was interesting was I haven't really talked to her in like two years. Mm-hmm. I had this dream the other night mm-hmm. to kind of summarize briefly i was hanging out with her and she had some apartment and then we went to her boyfriend's apartment and then <laughs> wow yeah but but then what was weird is <laughs> that's not weird enough at some point these guys come in and they are like hey we're gonna buy all the trees in the backyard and then, and we're like, no, you can't do that. They're not even our trees. Go away with your chainsaws. And then they're like, oh, here's $1,200. We'll give you $1,200 for all these trees. I was going to like protest more, but I'm like, wait a second. I shouldn't be getting involved in this. And actually it's funny because I'm in Orange County here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And she now is up in LA, but in the dream, we were in San Diego at this whatever weird place. It was in this apartment, a few stories up overlooking the ocean and there were hang gliders out there that were, you know, doing their hang glider thing, going up and down. And it seems like they're on some kind of a weird uh, tether thing. Mm. Uh, eventually, I'm just like hanging out and be like, oh, whatever. I'm not getting involved with that tree drama. So <laughs> I got on a hang glider. I'm going up and down. Of course, there was a little bit of the uh, interplay of her and I, which was, I felt sort of like an an anima sort of like release of the possession or like maturation of getting past uh, that whole thing where it just like didn't bother me. So that was that. But then the next day after that dream, that's just to kind of try to summarize that briefly, if possible. The next day, then she says, and I haven't really talked to her in a long time, like almost two years. And she's like, uh, I'm like fighting with my boyfriend and I'm having like, and and like all these issues of like, I, I moved in with him too fast, which was kind of a thing that happened with us back in the day. But uh, then she's like, uh, uh, I need Barry, the dog. So I'm like, okay, you can have him for, for a few days or whatever. And so that was that. But and then we'll, we'll get back to you and, and uh, be interesting to hear some of your thoughts on this. But the interesting thing of how this ties not only into our Pomeranian thing, but also into... Mm-hmm. Uh, somatics in a way is I haven't been having a lot of vivid dreams uh, for a long time. I mean, just off and on here and there when, when I'd get like a really big archetypal one that you might've heard of that I'd post online here and there. I did this thing. I, I don't know if you would call it somatic, but it's more, we, we talked about it a little bit the other day. It's more of uh, having to do with uh, rapid eye movement. So, you know, like follow ball yeah. on the screen, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. After I did that, I was, just able to sleep better than maybe ever. And 
all my dreams were really more vivid and serene than maybe they'd ever been mm-hmm. in, in, in certain ways. It's, it's just like all kind of connected in this weird way. And so here you are. Tell me about your uh, somatic dream world and everything else. <laughs> and, your, and your dog. That's a lot. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> well, we, we got to stay on the, we, we absolutely have to stay on, sure, the, sure. on the eye thing a little bit longer because to my, yeah, yeah, yeah. To my understanding, we are both very big Jordan and Peterson fans, correct? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And he's always talking about how we have such good vision because of snakes yeah 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 mm-hmm. do you want to share a little bit about yeah. that in case anybody doesn't know what i'm referring to as far as that goes he would say that we had co-evolved with a lot of other things in our environment including reptiles that what would it make a person survive better than die would be their vision to detect little sneaky reptiles like snakes so in our evolutionary framework is the ability to uh, see vision, especially at the, the lower level where things might be sneaking around. I actually had an experience like this just um, about a month ago. I was on a little hike and there was, people haven't seen snakes in like a long time up on this hike, but there was a, a rattlesnake that just like went right in front of us. And I almost missed it, but I was proud of myself because I like kept my uh, friends I was hiking with like, oh, watch out. And they didn't see it because they were like, I don't know, looking at their phones or something. (laughs) Maybe that's how we're devolving. Good thing we're not around snakes because now people with their phones would probably just die (laughs) looking at their phones rather than a selfie with it. Yeah. Or or just not see it. Why is it that you brought up the uh, snake detection, by the way, in, in relation to vision and all this? Oh, well, because that's interesting. So. A lot of mind, uh, mindfulness practices will talk about mm. bringing you into the present moment because a right, lot of right. um, just the common everyday anxiety and depression comes from either worries of the past or um, thinking about the future, stressing about the future, stuff like that. So the mm. idea, one of the main ideas behind mindfulness is just talking about coming into the moment and saying, all right, I'm here. I am in my apartment. The doors are locked. Everything is safe. There's, everything's fine. Everything's actually fine because our brains are not wired to keep us happy they're wired to keep us safe so we're wired to always Mm. always always be on guard and when you do an exercise such as the rapid eye movement Mm -hmm. i feel like it's just a way for your brand for your brain to calm down and see that yes like i have literally checked every corner in this room every stone Mm. got unturned there are no snakes in my apartment right now there's a a group that I've gotten involved with up in Seattle, uh, Mm. the Institute for Conflict. And what that they're doing, uh, Dr. Lahab, is trying to make another version of EMDR where it goes in a lot longer because normally EMDR is just like a minute or a few minutes at a time. But this is like a sort of like a long meditative process that can be anywhere Mm. from 30 minutes to 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So the focus then is to help you, yes, achieve that sort of calm state, but also physically what it's doing, because normally what we do, we get to focus on little things in our mind and or our environment, then we get to in our left brain. But if we do something Mm. that makes us use both sides of our brain like that, it helps unite the the left and right brain or the unconscious and the conscious brain. And then it can help with a lot of other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is yeah. that something, because 
most of us, including myself, are largely unfamiliar with things that go on in somatics and the things that you're involved in, especially as it relates to neurology. So what would you do or how do you help to integrate the unconscious and the conscious and all those type of things? What a great question. So yes, the term, the term somatics is actually an umbrella term that it means anything pertaining to anything taking into account the brain and the body. So okay, yeah. you can have like somatic EMDR, which sounds like what you're talking mm. about, somatic therapy, somatic dance therapy, right, somatic right. experiencing, which is something that mm. has gotten very popular. So the word mm. so somatic was actually coined by a man named Thomas Hanna. And mm. Thomas Hanna was a Feldenkrais practitioner. And he was actually the guy who brought, if you're, are you familiar with Feldenkrais? Is that well-known enough now? Yeah, it's the movement therapy. Not really. So tell, okay, well, tell us about Feldenkrais, it Sure. So I'm not a Feldenkrais practitioner, so I really can't speak okay. to it terribly. Okay. But it's another Briefly. movement therapy that uh, gets people out of pain by teaching them alignment mm. and how to move their bodies more efficiently in gravity. All right. So this guy, Thomas Hanna, did that for a long time and then developed Hanna somatic education. So he developed his own thing. So it kind of mm. became um, it was inspired by that, but it really became so much more. And so mm. I am training to become a certified Hanna somatic educator. And that is what my title is going to be when wow. when when coronavirus ends and we can oh. get back to doing the things that we need to do. Just real talk on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm working as a somatic educator and mm -hmm. I was thinking about the, I, I, I've been thinking about it in this way and you please mm -hmm. tell me if this lands or if this makes sense to you. When okay. you look at athletes um, on mm -hmm. TV right. and like the way that they know how to hit the baseball where it becomes something that they, they just know what to do or Right, um, right. I'm thinking about gymnasts because that's a little bit gymnasts is a little, gymnastics is a bit closer to my domain. Some right. of the skills that you train in just become reflexive, right? Where you teach mm. your body how to move and you know what right. to do in that sequence. You know how to land out of the out of a skill. You know where to position your hands in mm. order to do something. Well, mm. the work that I do posits that there are reflexes mm. that the body has learned that are unconscious at this point and out of the conscious brain and they are mm. causing pain and stiffness in the clients of my like in my bodies in my clients bodies or in everybody's bodies and, and things like that mm -hmm. and what i do as a somatic educator is we identify that stuff that's happening on an unconscious level and then right, do right. that do that stuff consciously and then carefully back out of it. So that way the brain can relearn rest and relaxation and we can reset the resting muscle tonus to something that's much lower than what, it's, what it was before. Because it's like the unconscious brain has set mm -hmm. that muscle to be too tight and there's mm -hmm. no way to get out of it other than doing the thing that it wants it to do. What, what would that be track? some, <laughs> yes, but what would to, to help though with myself or people who maybe it's not tracking so much, um, what would be some practical examples of, of how that you've, you've dealt with that with yourself or, or clients of issues like that, that they may have had and how that you've helped them overcome that? Sure thing. So when people come to me with shoulder pain, mm. they are used, they're very used to 
being treated by a massage therapist or PTs or chiros mm-hmm. who will, yeah. would want to spread that area out and stretch it and work it and massage it and, you know, break up that tissue manually by force. What I do with those clients, what I do with those clients is I have them shrug their shoulder towards their ear slowly. So that Mm -hmm. way they are consciously doing that. They're exaggerating what their shoulder wants to do or where their shoulder is stuck. And then slowly Mm -hmm. and carefully lower their shoulder all the way back down. And now there's a medical doctor named Bessel van der Kolk who wrote the body keeps the score and it's Mm -hmm. all about the literal embodiment of trauma oftentimes with the work that I do because I don't just work with the shoulder right there's various points there's infinite infinite to do with the body but sometimes you can correlate like the things that people will say to me afterwards or the things that they will tell me about how it like helped their marriage or they'll just mention, they'll just mention something really deep that you wouldn't expect them to say. It has Mm. been so interesting to witness. And so Mm. one of the things, one of the things that I do is I get rid of what's called motor sensory amnesia, which is basically all those unconscious points in your body. It's where your Mm. brain um, to muscle communication has been compromised. And then we have to go back and re-educate that specific point, like almost Mm -hmm. like hands on a clock or something. We have to go back to that precise second. And I had one client who kept getting stuck in one spot and I kept saying, stop, like back up, redo it. And he said, it's funny. Every time you stop me, I'm having the same thought. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really profound. And then of course we worked through it and was it got rid of it. What type of a thought was it? I mean, was it like related to uh, trauma or something else? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's interesting that you mentioned that though. And I guess this is kind of how uh, these somatic type things can be applied in a lot of different ways. Because one of the things that is done with this practice that I'm now learning, uh, he calls it uh, Jungian advanced motor processing. So Jungian to um, make mention that we are incorporating the unconscious and the, the depth psychology, the, the whole, uh, what, what a person is and, and all the realities that we are. And then advanced motor processing because we're using the eye movement specifically to make it happen. The other part of the, the practice that happens is there's a little bit of talk therapy at the same time. What would happen is mm-hmm. uh, usually talk through a trauma a bit. One thing that he says is really important with that is uh, where where a lot of people have issues is not sit on the trauma for too long, but only like a minute, maybe two or three minutes at a time. Because otherwise what happens, at least in this setting, if we're not careful, what's happening is you're going into, you're dealing with a complex really, uh, because that that trauma has caused a complex really in the brain Mm -hmm. and in our uh, thinking. And so you, you talk through it for a minute, but then the healing process is, and it, some people might think it's a uh, woo, I don't know, but you use uh, affirmations then to replace that sort of negative thought pattern with a positive th- thought pattern. And then I mentioned all that because also I'd not only had better feeling with like my sleep and just thinking, but also 
I wasn't even thinking about it. We didn't even talk about it during when, when I did this uh, about a week ago, but I had had knee pain for years that I yeah. just come to live with because I just thought, okay, I played basketball a lot for like 10 or 20 years, whatever. I'm just a guy with knee pain and I deal with it. But now yeah. it's like, it feels like brand new knees <laughs> just because yeah. we, we, we did, we talked through some of that. It wasn't even like anything like huge traumatic events, but just like uh, traumatic thinking in life that caused certain little complexes and then starting the healing path. Is there anything like that has happened with you and your clients as, as far as the thought patterns? Oh, yes. And okay. this, is an, this is another moment where I'm really excited to be talking to you because our thoughts affect our posture and our posture mm. affects how we hold our body and the way we hold our body affects mm. our how heavy or light we feel. Right, right, right. Because right. if we're... I, I want to mention just real quick too that right after I did it, I was talking to him and his mm -hmm. uh, wife, wife, I believe, who was there. And I was like, I feel like 10 pounds lighter and five inches taller right after that. Cause you, you really do feel kind of like if, if you do it properly or, or one of these somatic type practices, mm -hmm. you just feel well. And the, the other thing that I experience and everybody I think does who does it properly is you feel more embodied uh, yeah. like in, in your body. Anyway, uh, the point of posture and being in your body and everything. So go ahead. Well, I'm so glad you say that because yeah, there's this wonderful phenomenon after you do somatics or yeah. somatic practice that you feel lighter. And do you know what that is? Because I have an answer for you. <laughs> I don't want you tell me little miss expert. <laughs> yes. So when your muscles are tense, mm -hmm. they're not just, it's not like they just got tense once and stay right, that right, way. Right. Your body is uh, burning energy and your brain is firing signals saying keep that muscle as tense as it is and right, right. that stiffness that stiffness isn't there for free so when you get right. rid of the stiffness all of that energy starts coming back to you and it's mm -hmm. less effort to walk down the street it's less effort right, to stand right, right. up straight it's less effort to even breathe so right, right, right. i'm very ex I, I i love when that happens for my clients i which is every time <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they all say the same things again and again you just mentioned breathing too Breathing is an unconscious thing that we do normally, or, or, you know, it should be. And I think that's something too, that a lot of people don't realize we can fall into uh, unconscious, uh, bad breathing habits and a good yeah. somatic uh, practice. Like uh, we were discussing helps with that, even if we don't notice it consciously, or we, we may over time see that the, there's been a a change in our, our breathing, like holding breath unconsciously less and things like that. So uh, you mentioned breathing. Is that, is that something too that you've seen with yourself or your clients? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, uh, there's actually a lot of different opinions about breath work and, and what should be mm. done because um, it's hard to find uh, it's, it's hard to find a practice that it isn't easy to do too much in. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is if somebody's if if you're going through a breathwork exercise, mm -hmm. there's kind of this natural temptation to want to push it to your limits and see how far you can go and, yeah, and yeah. how deep of a breath you can really take. Right, and right. I think that I would I would caution against that and say, take it slow and just feel into your body and feel where your natural breath is. Yeah. So I would be wary of any practice that is aggressive with that. In that because area, yeah. Yeah, because it might be detrimental. You're right. But what I was thinking specifically is even just in 
doing these practices, I think it helps our unconscious breathing. So like oh, sometimes yeah. I, I would, I would catch myself uh, just unconsciously holding my breath for a little bit too long and you know, things like that. And then even just this week, I'm not really having those, those issues. So uh, like, like I said, it's an unconscious thing that we normally do. So I think even if we're not focusing on that, but we're just overcoming our complexes and overcoming our negative thought and over and uh, healing our, our brain like that, then everything should, should work better. But I don't know if that's been your experience too. It's all connected. I mean, it's the same philosophy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I tell each and every one, uh, actually, I was going to say each and every one of my clients, but it's bigger than that. I tell everyone I come into contact yeah, with, yeah. if you improve your brain, yeah, yeah. your life will improve. Yeah, yeah. And so it's that. Right. Everything. Mm -hmm. about it, yeah. yeah. You're investing your time and energy into the thing that is going to make the most difference. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about what you do specifically and what that's like, because as interesting as this all sounds, it's still a little bit yeah. probably nebulous for most people <laughs> that, that aren't, aren't used to the, these kind of things uh, that when, normally when they think neurology and those type of things, they just probably think brain surgeons. Or, or just turn so, off completely, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that like in your practice? And then also maybe get into just from seeing, you know, your Facebook and things, it seems like you've had your own experiences that maybe yeah. you can speak to a little bit as far as how this has helped your life personally. Right, right. So I think a good entry point into this is if I just share a little bit about my story. Yeah, yeah. I have scoliosis. And for those of you that don't know, that's mm -hmm. my spine is shaped like an S instead of being straight. Right. Um, I was actually supposed to be a lot taller than I am, but that's a side note. That's all right. That's, that's for another day. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, I had to, it, it, it kind of ruled my life and it, I didn't really get mm -hmm. to decide what I wanted to do my backup to decide. So things like going mm -hmm. to the movies yeah. with friends, going to shopping malls. And this was mm -hmm. all from the ages where I was like nine to, I guess, nine to 19. And mm -hmm. by the time that I was 19, I just accepted that I was going to live the rest of my life in pain. And the doctors, they did mm. give me painkillers, but when I would take them, it would just knock me out. I mean, those things were just right. so, so intense that it, my, right. my choices felt like, okay, stay awake and be in pain and be cranky and be not nice or mm -hmm. get rid of the pain and take and, and just go to bed. And that's it. That's the rest of your day. Right. So I was preparing for a life of pain. I was, I always had ice packs in my bag and heat packs wow. and wow. Um, all the painkillers and all of the things that temporarily make it feel better. All of my plans were like, okay, I could go to that movie theater. If the, if there's a recliner, I could go to a park and lay down. And um, my wow. whole life was pain management. And mm. then I found chiropractic and mm. the chiropractor would be able to take the pain away without me having to take my meds. And I thought it was the best thing in the universe because I'd get in and out in 15 minutes. I have no pain. It was mm. wonderful. It was great. It was wonderful until I had to go back three days later, you know, or a week wow. later. And it there was a point in time where I was going to the chiropractor three times a week. And I did mm. it. I took time out of my day and I, I spent the money because I it was worth it to live without yep. chronic pain. And still it mm. kind of like, it, it makes me happy that other people it, it makes me happy that not everybody has chronic pain. A lot of people do, but it makes yeah. me happy that some people just kind of like they wake up in the morning and they exist and they're not like, oh yeah, my God. They don't have and I'm, pain, I'm yeah. very happy. Yeah. And I'm very happy because now I am one of those people. 
because congratulations thank you so much i randomly discovered somatics because my mother went to somebody was presenting on the topic and so she liked that when it was, was this by the way this or how long ago was this this was like april 2017 around then okay somewhere so in there not that long ago yeah three years ago and i looked more into somatics and i absolutely loved it and mm. or I, I i was really curious about what i was reading so i got one session from a mm. guy named james knight who's fantastic and he was the one who healed okay. he's the one who healed the woman who gave the presentation that my mom heard that is the reason i found out about somatics i know All it's like of course nothing of course nothing in this story is simple or easy to explain no, I, I like i like complicated stories <laughs> all right so i have one session with james i mm. i'm like this is it this is what i want to do i love this i uh bust my way into the into the program that's a story for another day for sure okay and sure or an off the re- or, or an off the record story we'll see about that okay but i sure. on the very on the very first day of school we did a movement uh we did a sequence of movements and i was the Mm. only one who had no idea what was going on because this is i've come to know that like everyone else in the room has had been familiar with somatics up until this point so no Mm. one had touched me i was just doing this class and Mm. i felt this release in my upper thoracic spine that i have not felt since um before i had scoliosis and i remember saying because we had the chance to share at the end I said, you know, I feel like whoever left a brick in my back came to pick it up. And I had zero hope of ever of it lasting. You were dealing with that since you were nine years old up until about three or three and a half years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. So, and it was just, it was as simple as that to kind of get me on the path. I did one session and I had one class and I was on the path to Mm -hmm. healing myself. And I had no hope of it lasting. I thought I was going to wake up the next day with it gone and it didn't. And I didn't even tell people that it went away. I didn't even tell people that it went away because I was so miracle that like, well, I I was so in my story of like, I have scoliosis, my spine is curved. I have to be in pain. This is just a thing. Mm. But yeah, like you're saying three and a half years later and it's still completely, completely fine. So what I do with people Mm. is because I just, after going through an experience like that, I mean, how could I not? dedicate my entire life to this type of the work good and, news and, the, the gospel of somatics yeah yeah sharing sharing it with as many people as i possibly can yeah, yeah. and so i work with people one-on-one mm-hmm. i work with people in person mm-hmm. i can i and then group classes mm-hmm. as well but the cool thing yeah is 95 percent of my work right now is online on zoom yeah, yeah. and it i had it was 50 50 in other years Mm -hmm. so not all of that is uh because of coronavirus but what i can do with people is evaluate them over zoom see what they have going on and then take them through a sequence of movements that they can do on their own they'll just tilt their computer cameras down so i can see them laying on the floor or they Mm. can put their phone somewhere we always find a way to make it work it's just amazing i've worked with people in london and northern california and australia and new zealand and the caribbean and all these other places that i feel really fortunate that i got the chance to yeah that i got the you know i don't even have the words for it yeah it's amazing what we can do now with the internet it's like uh 
It's like we're spiritual beings now, flying all over the world, he- healing people. Like, like you're you're their angel or something, just coming in to, to London and like like Mary Poppins, and then you uh, you work your somatic miracles. How about people who don't have ongoing physical pain issues like you had? I, of course, for those people, they're probably going to be all over it where they yeah. should be. But what about just anybody as we are in our daily life, whether that's posture or uh, just thought processes or anything else what's that like for other people the great thing about somatics is yes it reverses pain Mm. and yes it um can even prevent pain right but even for the average person Mm. no matter where you are on the continuum of like illness to wellness to health or however you want to imagine it somatics will take you somatics will take you further Mm. it will help you sharpen your thinking it will help you Mm. just feel lighter and bring more energy and vitality and, and youth into your life. I mean, right. uh, I think my youngest teacher at school is 75. Wow. She might be 75 and she's on and off the floor. She's like uh, shaking her hips when she has to demonstrate <laughs> like hip movement and stuff yeah, and wow. um, just watching the fluidity in her body yeah. and all of my teachers at school. It has given me a very warped perception of what old age is right and i think i think that's important yeah. too because people are living a lot longer than they used to even mm. not not just longer uh life expectancy but l- longer life expectancy often with certain health issues at the same time you know uh 50 100 100 plus years ago maybe those people wouldn't make it but now if we're going to be around until we're 80 90 plus years old mm-hmm. it would be important to hopefully be like those ladies in your class that are still moving like they're about our age. And uh, yeah. so I guess we have to, you know, keep that in mind because we're all not getting younger, but in a way we can, I guess. That's why I was really happy. I found out about somatics mm. at the time that I did. I feel really fortunate mm. to know that. And, and then it also gives you so much hope and it changes the way you see everything right, because right. I was doing I was doing a trade with a woman who's a structural integrist and okay. so she actually works with like manipulating the the fascia and I am a functional integrist mm. so I look at the function of a person and see how I can manipulate the function or and she's the so you're functional and she's a what structure okay structure okay yeah and so I I did a trade with her just for fun because I was like, you know, I can't just be a somatic purist my whole life. Sure. And I got on her table and the work was, it didn't mm-hmm. feel too intense. It was, it was pretty like trigger point-esque. She was trying to like create an experience of like a lot of pressure mm-hmm. in that. So it did, but it didn't feel too intense in the moment. It felt like something mm-hmm. I could take, but I left and my whole neck was completely shredded and I was in so much pain and it was like all the progress that I had made mm. went completely out of the window and was worse. Wow. And the beautiful thing about that mm. experience was that I was just in physical pain. Yeah. I was just in physical pain. That was mm. it. I wasn't thinking like, this is going to be my whole life. This mm. is so horrible. I'm so worthless. I deserve this pain. Obviously right, right, I was right. going to get pain. Who was I to think that I could, or who was I to think that I could ever be out of pain? Why did I get so silly? No, none of those thoughts, which is what, would have happened before somatics right. but because of what i had known at that point with somatics i was able to be like 
this is a situation that's temporary comes and goes this is going to go away yeah i Mm. could i know how to reverse this i know how to get rid of this and and especially having scoliosis Mm. a lot of what i've connected with or or a lot of the people that i've met through support groups and stuff Mm -hmm. have talked about the mental aspect of being in chronic pain right 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 and the what that does to a person's thought thought process and and Mm self-image and especially for things like scoliosis sciatica or Mm -hmm. any other invisible pain right where you could look at me and think that everything is completely fine Mm -hmm. Um, but underneath the surface or from my standpoint, I would not check out. So maybe for a broader idea, it's just that sometimes we don't think about that, but that's a big deal. How that we may not even realize that we're in pain. Almost like I mentioned earlier mm. with my knees, I forgot I would just, was just dealing with it for so long. Right. And same thing with other people. When we interact with people and we might say, oh, they're just a, a hater or a whatever, a phobe or uh, you know, they have this and that problem with me and uh, or project all these things on them when we don't really know. And they might not even know whether it's a, a physical pain that they're in, whether they're conscious of it or not, or a like negative thought pattern that us or them might be. So that's the whole thing, too, with integrating the body and then unconscious mind and then conscious mind mm-hmm. is usually it's, it's all unconscious unless it's just so much pain that we're conscious of it. And then even if we're conscious of it, if we're operable in society or in day-to-day life we've learned how to live with it or the other person has and so i think a, a good uh idea just to become more understanding of ourselves and each other when, when we realize mm. there's all these pain and dysfunction and thought patterns that we might not even be aware of i know you mentioned earlier how it would heal people's relationships whether it's their marriage or whatever so mm-hmm. what has your, been your experience with yourself or your clients that you've seen, not just in their bodies, but also in their relationships and just their uh, life as a whole? It's always so important to remember that when you help one person, you're not really helping one person. Right. Because that person is at the center of a node of a, a network you're yep. not a part of. So yep. it's like you help the person, you help the individual, you also help the family and that mm. changes things. So it was really touching when uh, one of my clients told told me that her daily somatic practice was very grounding for her and meant more to her than just the body work. Right, right, right. It sounded like, and this is my words, not hers, but it sounded mm-hmm. like it gave her a longer fuse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely because um, sometimes it makes me think of the story or the parable, and I can't remember all the details off the top of my head. There's like a lion who has a thorn caught in his paw, and most people just won't speak to this animal. And then this uh, uh, boy comes along and just talks to him. And he's like, I've just been trying to tell people I got a thorn in my paw. And if someone can just help me get it out, then everything will be all right. Can't get it out myself. And then the kid helps him get it out. And then he's the, everybody around in that world is then the happier for it. Mm. Yeah, we have to just be be better at listening to ourselves and each other, I I would say. Because sometimes that's going on unconsciously too. And the, the better we get at understanding ourselves and each other, the more we'll uh, get to the real problems instead of just like, oh, there's a crazy person or a stupid person or, you know, a whatever phobe or all these things like that. And that's a big part of what my education for my brain health training taught me was just seeing, I, I started to see more people that I 
like not hazards, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. people that, that they were really people to help. Right, right, right. And so when you think of it, like, and I loved what she said that it just makes it easier to help this person. Or You also have some things you're doing online. It looks like you're uh, co-hosting a podcast now. Is that what's going on? So I, I listened to some of it and you said you may be part-time hosting a podcast or what's going on with your, your media world and all that. Well, there's a lot that is about to come out. Oh, good. Exciting. And uh, I just I just woke up one day and I said, how could I possibly help more people or give people this information or what would be right. useful things that I could actually have locked and loaded to pass along to people? Right, right, right. And then I realized it's, I realized it's 2020 and it's time for videos and podcasts and all that. And so yeah. I was a part of um, I was a part of the Better and Betterer podcast okay. for some time, and I was, and that was a fun experience. And I, mm-hmm. I definitely still recommend the pod. Sure. But we decided to go in different di- directions, okay. and I wanted to pursue somatics to its fullest. That's something a little bit different, more along the lines of like uh, mindfulness, and you, you're want- trying to sp- focus on somatics. Is that right? Yeah. And I think that mindfulness is a part of somatics, but it was more just of who we wanted to be interviewing and where we thought the the direction of the show should go and and just artistic differences, no bad blood. You said there's things in the works or things coming out. So tell us a little bit about uh, what we can expect over how many weeks or months coming up. <laughs> well, I am still teaching. What's coming up? I'm still a part of, I'm a founding member of Somatic Movement Circle, which is sure. on Facebook, which is a group that you can join. Mm. And we offer free online classes Mondays through Wednesdays. Mm. And that'll continue throughout the end, end of the year. And it's, you just register for the group and you read a, it's easy. You just read the disclaimer and sign up and then it's all, it all happens on Zoom, which everyone's very familiar with now. But I, yeah. I actually just came up with a company name and it is effortless because the one thing that I try and get my clients to do is get out of that mentality of just forcing things and making things yeah. happen and grind, just, grind, grind. Exactly. And if you could just effort your muscles less, mm, yeah, yeah. then, you know, you get into a state of ease. And with that, mm. my YouTube channel will be out within the next three weeks. Oh, wow. Exciting. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so uh, it'll be soon. The Facebook group and I'll leave all the links to all this and you forthcoming YouTube channel, a couple of podcasts that mm-hmm. people can find right now just to get an idea. Mm-hmm. What else is going on in terms of uh, your, your world in the media and anything else that people can find or get involved in? I mean, I would just invite people to add me on Facebook Okay. because yeah, I'll leave that link I provide a lot of, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good information on there still and it's just another way all right so i guess we didn't have a lot of time to get into the intellectual dark web unless there's any any ideas you any intellectual (laughs) ideas you want to drop on your way out here any intellectual bonds (laughs) i know no i guess we'll just have to save that for part two all right we'll do part two another time in the coming weeks but uh all right Mm -hmm. jade it was uh, a pleasure having you on and we'll look forward to doing it again here in the next few weeks thank you so much well, keep doing what you're doing. I'll see you around. Bringing complex ideas down to earth based on their value, not group identity. 
This is the Daily Archetype.